the biggest ingredient that helps me get it all done is um, I really am not a perfectionist. And thank God, because I have so much I have to do that I could not overthink any of it. There is no time. There's no time to to prep and then over prep. There's no time. So you just have to go. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome, welcome. Thank you guys so much for being back. I am so fired up to hear about the reach of 10,000 No's. I've been getting feedback and I recently got something from an actor in Australia and I said, how'd you hear about the podcast? And he said, I Googled podcasts for actors and yours came up. I listened to one and I started binging them and I really love it. And I mean, (laughs) that is very, very exciting for me to hear. So thank you. If you have feedback like that, I always love it. It makes us feel like what we're doing is actually working, but uh, here we go for today. My guest today is Kathy Heller, and I'm going to whip through some of her many accomplishments as quickly as I can because she has done so much. And I just, I really love her spirit and what she's all about. And she has completely helped me since we met a few months ago with the podcast and just in seeing what's possible for us if if we really go after something. And she's not a household name yet, but I think she's on track to be one in the near future. So I want to just give you guys context before you hear our conversation. Here we go. She is the creator and host of the popular podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job, growing one of the biggest, most engaged audiences in the podcast world. She recently celebrated her 100th episode, I Was at Her House for the Party, as well as 3.5 million downloads. She's a one-woman wrecking machine, high up on the iTunes charts. She's sponsored by world-class brands, draws tons of listeners who adore her, and are actually changing as a result of listening to the advice she and her guests so generously dispense on the podcast. Her mission is to help others find a sense of purpose and fulfillment in their work and to monetize, in many cases, things that were once just hobbies. She's created an online course based on the demand of her fans. She's got an active Facebook community where listeners post about their career ambitions, support one another, share their challenges as they go through the process of building their business. But Prior to all of this, Kathy was known for having handcrafted a career as a songwriter. She licensed her music to film, TV, and advertising. She had her songs featured in ads for McDonald's, Walmart, Kellogg's, many other TV shows, films, and even a few theme songs. So after earning multi-six figures each year with her own songs, she started an agency helping other artists to do the same. She speaks now all over the place on how to hustle and reverse engineer your dream job. Recently, she spoke at the Apple Podcasts Upfront in New York. 
UCLA, the Grammy Museum, Billboard Film and TV Conference, Berkeley School of Music, and many more. She lives here in Los Angeles with her husband, who is hilarious, and three daughters. So it's hard to believe, but when she's not podcasting or teaching or speaking or raising her kids, Kathy is still writing songs. She actually just wrote the main title theme song to a show called Llama Llama, soon to be out on Netflix, starring Jennifer Garner. An incredible force of nature, and yet very transparent about her flaws, doubts, and fears. You'll hear for yourself, Kathy Heller. Why don't we start with just um, telling everybody, you know, where you are right now in your life, because I think you are in a particularly uh, really great sweet spot as of late. And I just love for you to share that because your energy is infectious and I'd like my listeners to get some of it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, Matt, you are so, um, lovable, endearing, adorable, talented. Everybody who meets you is so impressed with the person that you are and the way that you make space for everybody. And I'm not just saying it to be nice because that would be a waste of all of our time. Um, it's true. And it's been such a pleasure, such a gift to connect with you, have you on my show. You were so generous to come speak at that event. And what's going on with me right now is, um, I have a podcast that has really kind of taken off. It caught fire. I started it uh, about 21 months ago um, in my closet, in my old house, uh, just kind of recording this show right from the heart. I didn't have a famous last name. I didn't have a uh, book. I didn't have a PhD. It just was a person who had this really big want to create the show and see what would happen. And um, it became uh, really successful. And we've had incredible guests on the show, like Matthew Del Negro and Seth Godin and Jenna Fisher from The Office and Mandy Moore and Bobby Brown, who sold her makeup line for a billion and a half dollars and Jimmy Choo. And the whole show is about figuring out how to do what you love in this world. What is it that you were really born to do? And how Do you do that? Um, So it's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. The show in just 21 months has almost now three and a half million downloads. We just recorded our 100th episode. Um, I wrote a book with Macmillan, which is going to be coming out in a few months. And uh, I'm doing a lot of speaking around the the country. Um, And at the same time, I'm a mom and I have three little kids and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm running still my other creative business, which is that I'm a songwriter. And that was what I did for a long time, which is why I started a show about making a career out of your dream jobs. I'm still doing that, but the focus has now turned so much to the podcast because I've gotten the privilege of meeting so many people around the world and hopefully making them feel like They matter and they're not alone and they can do it and giving them some tools to get out of their own stuff and get them busy working. You it's, there's a reason, first of all, thank you for the kind words and it's right back at you. Um, and there's a reason that it's doing so well. And anybody who's listening to Kathy for the first time and is not familiar with her, um, she really is, (laughs) she really speaks this way all the time from the heart. I've, I've seen you now speak in front of your, uh, the workshop where people flew in from around the world for it. Um, I've, I've heard you on your podcast. I had the pleasure of sitting down with you on, on yours, you know, when you interviewed me, mm-hmm. um, I saw you the other night at your party. Congratulations for the hundredth episode. Thanks. And 
just so everybody knows, one of the, one of the things I wanted to just, it, it was on my mind because I was just with you at your house and with your husband and your kids the other night. Um, this celebration, the celebratory nature, somebody got up and spoke. It was this collection of really, really talented and cool, compassionate people. And uh, a few people, your, your co-writer as a, as a songwriter, um, can you give me her full name? So people Kyler, need to, Kyler Ky- England. Kyler England. She was amazing. So many of them were. People got up and spoke. But somebody got up and, and said, I love that Kathy is celebrating. And it really, mm-hmm. you, you really do. You, you work you you really work harder than anybody I know, but you also seem so grateful for everything that's happening to you right I now. Really, and there's a really lot. I really am. Yeah, I really am. And it is so important to celebrate because nothing's promised and we say it all the time, but we get so desensitized to the fact that we should make the most out of this very precious time that we have, you know? have people over, bring people into your home, help them, you know, feel good to breathe easier, connect good people to each other, celebrate, you know, get the cupcakes. Why not put the streamers out? It's important. Um, it's important because we're so often we get to our goalpost and then we move it forward and we don't actually stop and say, but look where I am right now. Look how much courage it took. And anyone who's listening has been through hell and back at least five times. So, why don't we pull over to the side of our life once in a while and look over and just give yourself some credit for getting through so much pain? Because that's the common denominator. Like we've all been through it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you saw that and appreciate it that way. It means a lot to me. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even do it enough. I feel like I had that party. I'm like, this is what I want to do more of. I just want to bring people together and give them a nice evening. So I want to do yeah. even more of that. It was an, it was an amazing evening. And as I said, before we were rolling, um, I was there way later than I expected to be, but it was because I couldn't, I couldn't pull myself away from it because the, each person that got up would sing a song. It was more talented than the, you know, like I, every song was great. And then the next one would be great. I'm like, I can't, I can't leave. No, but, yeah, but, we uh, got you. Well, got just you so people, night. you know, sometimes I have people on that I, well, all the time that I really a- admire and, I'm always aware that if you're listening in your car or on your walk or your run or wherever it is that you listen, uh, it may sound annoying to hear people just, uh, you know, it sounds like, oh, everything's just going her way. And why oh, is it happening right. for her and not blah, for me? Blah. But there is yeah. a, there is a, you know, when you talk about everybody going through so much pain, I know a little bit about, you know, what you kind of uh, experienced as a child. And I would love for people to hear that, to realize that, that, you know, where you are now, it's not like you just woke up and you were writing a book for Macmillan and and had a huge podcast. There's a lot of, yeah, but just, just, so why don't you take us back through a little of that in your childhood? Yeah. And, And also let me just bring it back to like this morning. Like, I mean, it sounds like everything's amazing, but I mean, we're all a work in progress. And if you would have seen me at the party and I felt 20,000 feet tall. And then the next day, you know, my husband and I were having a conversation and I'm like, why is it that sometimes I just feel like so alone? Like, you know, he got up and spoke about me at the party and it was like so beautiful. I'm like, how come you don't talk to me like that? You know, and I was crying and, you know, we struggle in our marriage to really 
get each other. And we're so different. He's such an introvert. I'm such an extrovert. He tends to be very funny, but very sarcastic. I'm like extremely sincere, like almost to the point of like, you give you a cavity. We're just very different. Um, and so in my day-to-day life, I have that going on, which is, you know, trying to find fulfillment in a marriage. I think that's everyone's hardest work. I'm also juggling, you know, running three businesses. And sometimes I'm like, why am I taking Tylenol twice a day? Like, at what point is it enough? Like maybe I should get rid of one of the businesses. I'm also trying to be a good mom. I've got three kids. Nobody should should sort of look at it from a distance and be like, this girl is awesome and she's never anxious. Like, no, I'm anxious all the time. I'm wrestling with things. And at the same time, I have so many moments of feeling totally uh, elated, grateful, fulfilled. Yes, there's tons of that, which is awesome. And then I'm just like a normal girl who's just trying to like uh, eat right, be a good mom uh, and make sure that I, I just am getting through my old stuff. Um, my old stuff is like we all have a story. When I was growing up, my parents, they had a horrible marriage. They then got divorced and my mom uh, struggled with being suicidal for years. And um, I would walk in on her trying to take her own life. And it was just horrific, awful. And my dad was a very uh, stereotypical, uh, like he walked out, never looked back. And I didn't hear from him for many years. And it was just sort of me living with all this heaviness. And as a kid, you know, when you're eight years old, you're 12 years old, and you don't know if your mom's going to be there when you get home because you don't know if she's going to be alive. Um, It creates tremendous anxiety, which now you don't have to be a psychologist to understand why it doesn't take much for me to feel invisible to my husband, right? Because that's my default is you don't see me, you don't get me, you're not there. Are you going to be there? And there's so much panic around it, but I've worked at it so much because I wanted to create a life that was flourishing and healthy and thriving. And so I pushed through tremendous amounts of fear to allow myself to fall in love, fall in love again. You know, I went through a couple breakups and broken engagements and, um, but yeah, my childhood was a lot of darkness and then I pushed against it. It's like resistance machines at the gym. I, you know, was a latchkey kid working two jobs. Didn't know if my mom was going to be there. It was really hard for me to explain that, um, in high school when I was like coming late and getting bad grades and the school counselor, guidance counselor was like, what's going on? You know, you're not doing well. I'm like, my mom is, um, you know, in and out of a mental institution and I'm all by myself. And it wasn't a sexy story to tell and made me feel really weird. Um, and I was going to therapy all of a sudden and I didn't relate to any high school kids. I did. I was a very, it was so bizarre. Um, and thankfully I left and went to college and, um, you know, because I had just such a crappy time. Um, I think I was determined to find purpose. I, I realized that the opposite of depression is purpose. I realized that my mom had lost a sense of purpose and she didn't have that purpose in her marriage. She had a really abusive husband. And then when he left, I think she felt like I gave the best years of my life to someone who I shouldn't have. And now I have nothing to show for it and I'm a loser. And so she lost all purpose. Um, also, my mom always had dreams of being an actress. She's extremely talented. Um, talent scouts used to come to her high school because she lived 
lived just outside of New York City. She never went for it. Her parents used to tell her, you know, like comparing her to other people, you know, you won't be able to cut it. You won't hack it. And so she never actually did it. And when I left the house after high school, I was like, just dying to find anything that would make me feel like there is a reason to stay on the planet. Because growing up just to become an adult who feels lousy, who's like watching Law and Order, buying groceries and sitting on the couch at night, feeling like, what's the point? That just didn't seem like it was worth the whole thing. Um, And I started studying lots of like philosophy and religion. I was doing my creative performing arts, which was very cathartic. And I just followed my own star and I moved out to LA and, um, and I think I thought that if I could do something creative, if I could, if I could write music, which was the one thing that I loved, I was like, if I could get a record deal, if I could write music, if I could tour the globe, then a couple things will happen. One, everyone will see me. Everyone will hear me and I will exist because people will notice. Um, when your own mom looks at you at 15, you know, in the midst of a suicide attempt and says, you're not enough and I'm out, you don't think you're very much. Um, and I think that that's the number one thing anyone struggles with anyway, but your mother should be the one who tells you you're enough, right? Your parent should say, of course, I'll live for you. I would do anything for you, right? Including get up every day. (laughs) So um, I wanted so badly to to be seen that I was determined to become uh, a famous singer-songwriter. And I, I thought I had some talent. And I moved out to LA with no cash, knowing nobody, with no relatives here. I had never even been here. Um, And I got a job on Craigslist and I got an apartment and I had a really cute roommate who was a waitress. And the two of us just sort of were doing it. And I was 24 and um, I got a record deal and it was insane. I was sitting there. So you, how, how far after you moved out, did you get the record deal? It was like, two years in, I got here, started writing music. And I had this, like, I had been listening in my car in my old Volvo. I had like a hand-me-down from my parents. And I was listening on cassette to Tony Robbins, like awaken the giant within. And I moved out to LA with that was the only cassette in my car. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I kept feeling like it was around the corner and I would reverse engineer it. Like he would say, ask the right question. Okay. You want a record deal? Who do you need to know? Who might know that person? What do you need to have in hand when you meet that person? Okay. So back up from that. So write the song, record the song, whatever. And I got a, uh, I got signed to Interscope. I was sitting at Sunset Sounds with Lady Gaga. She was recording paparazzi. I had just gotten signed. I was sitting next to Ron Fair, who was my producer. I was in the room. They were recording. I'm like, this song is amazing. You know, I was like, God, this is going to be a hit. Um, And (laughs) I I got dropped um, a few months later and uh, I picked myself up and I said, well, if they sign me, someone else will sign me. And so I... um, I, I went and I got signed to um, to Craig Kalman, who's president of Atlantic, to Atlantic Records. And I was like, oh, Atlantic, that makes sense. Atlantic, it's a little bit more like me. Okay, I get this. This is a better fit. And I got I got dropped from Atlantic. And, uh, and when I got dropped from two labels, all of the grief that I had been pushing down just exploded. Because the thing that got me through all those teenage years and my childhood years was one day I'll get out of here and that dream kept me going. And then I went to two labels 
and sat through all the scary meetings and finally got signed and got dropped from both. And I was like, Kath, this is not going to happen. You can push and kick this door as hard as you think you can. It's not opening. It's not your door. And so I thought, shoot, like, I guess I'm just going to be a depressed person then. Like, I don't know any other way that I can function. I didn't have any other plan. Um, and so I did start to get depressed. I started gaining weight. I started to get a job. People were like, well, if you're not going to do your thing, you're, you know, creatively inspired by just make money. So I'm like, okay. They're like, cause you have to have a job that you hate. So just do something that makes a lot of money. So I started working at a commercial real estate firm. I met this guy, uh, through my sister, um, who she met at the Cheesecake Factory. He's like, oh, I, I live in Brentwood. I have like a billion dollars in real estate holdings. I need someone with a great personality. And my sister's like, oh, talk to my sister. And um, it was like golden handcuffs. And I was there for a while. And it's a boring part of the story, but it's real. I started, you know, just doing I did a stream of like four jobs in a row that I hated more than the next. And I was wearing a pantsuit and I was not myself. And um, three years of that. And on the other side, I was like 20, I don't know, 27, 28. And I was like, I can't be this person. I hate being this person. I didn't move out to LA to work in real estate or to work for this nonprofit or all the other things I tried. I said, I cannot do this. And I thought, is there any possible way for me to do anything I like? Is that a thing? Like if I put all this energy into all the things I've done, like what if I could put that into some other, and, and I do believe that what you seek is seeking you. And sure enough, like a week later, I read an article about a bunch of people licensing their songs. I was like, what's licensing? Oh, people can use your song for an, an ad or for a TV show or a movie and they'll pay you. I was like, oh, well, maybe I could just sustain myself writing songs that would get used in trailers and movies. And and you know what? I worked my butt off and I started making like $300,000 a year licensing songs to Coke and McDonald's and Target and Walmart and big movies and TV shows. And I wrote theme songs for shows. Um, and, and when you say licensing, cool. they were all of your own songs, your own Just originals? Me. Yeah. Me yeah. singing original music. I wrote a lot of them with this girl, Kyler England, who you met at the party, we just would like sit together and we're like, all right, so we're going to write the song. And then we're going to think about like, who does this make sense for? And what are the storylines? And I started realizing that instead of just creating art for my own self, what if I could look at, you know, well, what do these people need who are or storytellers? What are these directors trying to say with their, with their art? What's the story arc of this show? What's the story arc of, of this movie? And what, what's this brand's perspective? What is Apple all about? They're about creativity and originality. So we started to, I mean, that song, Let Your Color Shine, which you heard me sing the other day, we wrote that with Apple in mind because Apple is all about, you know, be your own u- unique person and make your own mark. Um, and we started writing and, and it was fun. It was fun to think about other people's needs. And I realized that art is the marriage of, you know, it's something you love, but it's good to make things that other people love. And I think that that be, that that's what happens when you become a grown up is you use your talent, not just for yourself. I think that's a hobby, but if it's a business, it means, all right, I'm going to use my talent to touch someone else and speak their language. And, uh, after three years of making a few hundred grand a year, I couldn't believe it. I was like, 
we, I mean, it was not the house I live in now, but we bought a house, a, a really nice house. Like, and I was like, I just bought a house like with McDonald's, Coca-Cola music. This is crazy. Um, That's awesome. And then uh, I just, I wanted to help other artists. So I started teaching artists and it kind of led to the podcast. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> what I love that you really, really do well on the podcast and, and you're talking about it right now with you, the songs that you wrote, there is such a a um it's just a spirit of helping and connecting in everything that you do on the podcast and since meeting you i feel really lucky to have met you and and emma your producer and tim uh your other producer because i've been influenced um in terms of putting this together i've had much more of an eye uh, on what my listeners might want or have that's useful to them. And that's what you do really dynamically and really seamlessly. And it doesn't feel like you're, um, (coughs) excuse me, at some point, I, maybe it was a conscious decision, but now it's just a part of your DNA that your, your entire, you kind of have that opening monologue of of your, um, of your podcast where you're just, I think just riffing in some way. And it's, it's so, uh, it's so genuine and, um, in the moment and useful to me when I'm listening and I'm, and I'm guessing to all of the people, that's why you have three and a half million downloads is because everybody is coming back to you because they feel like, Oh yeah, Kathy gets me and Kathy is here to help me. And and help yeah, me solve really my am. problems, and and so it's it's been a really great influence on me, and uh, and thank you for that, and also just kind of kudos to you for for having that and and being able to do it. Also, I, I wasn't even thinking of you doing it with your songwriting, but that's um, that that's cool for me to hear now, knowing that I already had this observation on your on your podcast. That's really sweet, and I'm glad that you feel that way, and I think that that's you know, what happens though, when you've been through pain, um, sometimes it it deepens your capacity to be there for other people. And, and you really do see other people. And I really, uh, I think because I've been on the other end of what it feels like to feel invisible or like no one sees you or gets you, it's, uh, it's the thing that matters most to me. Like whoever is in my presence, I want them to feel like, you're good. You don't have to earn this. You could just be here right now. I really see all the most amazing things in you. And I want to see them and show them to you so that you see them and you could just be here. And um, it's honestly, in in many ways, that might be the secret to whatever success I have, because I do think, as Seth Godin said, when he was on my podcast, he said, the greatest, the greatest fundamental seed in anybody who's successful in any endeavor is radical empathy. He said, any, anybody who's doing anything successfully is because they have really understood radical empathy. And sometimes, you know, people use that in dangerous ways where they'll, you know, marketing will try to understand you so that they can then, uh, you know, exploit that. But it starts with, you have to understand somebody else. And then hopefully, since that is such a precious thing to earn somebody's attention and trust, hopefully you use that 
and really have empathy and see it through and really show up for people. And I think because we're all so thirsty to connect in a real meaningful way, it's not that hard to stand out because unfortunately, most of society is, you know, trying to get you to see them. And when you turn it around, since people are feeling really lonely, um, I think people really say thank you for that. They need it. Um, we live in a time where people do feel very insignificant and they're on their phone all day and they compare themselves to everyone else's perfect movie like days. And it's sad because no one's having that day anyway. So we're comparing ourselves to something that doesn't exist. And then we feel like we're lacking. And I do try to really make that front and center in my show, letting people know that um, I really care. And I really hope that when they listen, they feel uh, clear and they have clarity that they really are very significant and we're put here for a reason. And they've been assigned in this planet to do something that only they can do. Yeah. I believe yeah, that it. comes yeah. across. That really comes across so sincerely. Um, and, and I'm wondering, uh, in addition to that, you are also, you, you know, you kind of mentioned it and you just threw it away. Like it's just like in passing, but you run three businesses. Now, I know you're compassionate. I know you're sincere. I know you want to help. <laughs> yeah. Where I want to steal from you, <laughs> because that's yeah. what I do with all Let's my guests. It. I'm always that's like, how, how does Kathy do it? And and the the thing that I, I am wondering is how do you, you know, physically, what are some of your uh, strategies or some of your processes in how you can go about having this podcast that is really good, um, speaking all over the place, raising three kids, being a, a wife, writing a book, how, what are some of the, um, the strategies you use and where did you learn them? And, and was it always this way? Or do you feel like you are now in a particular stage where you're firing on all cylinders? As yeah. I said to Deirdre, when I came home from, from being <laughs> interviewed by you, I was like, this woman is firing on all oh, cylinders. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was not always this way. I was like a C student at best. And I used to sleep in um, easily till 10 every day when I was single and didn't need to be anywhere. Um, and now I wake up at five and that's, it's a totally different story. One thing that I have to say, as far as like my process or strategy, and this is going to sound like oversimplified, but this is really the, the biggest ingredient that helps me get it all done is, um, I really am not a perfectionist and thank God, because I have so much I have to do that I could not overthink any of it. There is no time. There's no time to to prep and then over prep. There's no time. So you just have to go. And what I realize is that in so far as you're doing things, you're getting better at things and more brilliant things happen. And if you would have over prepped, it's like you needed to do three of those before you even knew what to prep next. I mean, I just led an event uh, last week, which you were generous and you were there and that was amazing. And we had 90% of those people fly in from all over the world, Australia, Hawaii, British Columbia. I knew that I had a few people coming to speak who I really valued. And I knew that on my feet, I would 
figure out what I was going to say and what activities we were going to do. And we had two amazing days. And at the end, people were in tears. And I trust that if I can be present and show up in the moment that I'm going to be qualified, just like when my daughter was born and they handed her to me and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never babysat. I've never changed a diaper. And my own relationship with my mom is so insane that I don't know how to be a mom. I don't know how to do this. And I knew that as soon as I held her, I would figure it out. And I was messy and I didn't know what I was doing with the podcast. I re-recorded the first episode like eight times with my songwriting. I wrote lots of mediocre songs with my, you know, getting up and playing piano at the hotel cafe. I missed notes the first few times, but I, 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 I think that is the thing that I see in sort of like neon colors that differentiates me from everyone else that I know. Everyone else is overthinking it so much. Well, how can I do this? Wait, hang on a second. I can't go live on Facebook right now. Wait a minute. I can't just show up and do this class. I got to prep. I got to. Well, that's the problem. So I don't have time. I don't have the luxury of that time. I write music for TV and film and ads. I have three kids. I have a course, an online course where I teach songwriters how to get into the music licensing game. And I corral the people from NBC and Lionsgate and they talk to the the artists directly. And that course makes multi six figures a year. So I, that's, that's something I enjoy and artists have gotten a lot of success from it. So that that's going on. There's hundreds of people in that course. Then on top of that, I have the podcast. We do two episodes a week. And then on top of that, I have a course for creating a podcast, which I kind of just did on a whim. Again, didn't overthink it. And there's about, I don't know, like a hundred people in that class. And they're really cool humans and they're doing great stuff and I'm supporting them. And, uh, and then I am writing a book. Um, and then I have an agency where I have three people who work for me, but we represent about 50 artists who are licensing their music every day to Starbucks and different TV shows and movies that are coming out. And it's too much. It's like, there's no way I could have all those meetings in a day and those three phone calls and have to record an episode and then go live on Instagram. And in addition to all of that, take the time to overthink any of it. So what winds up happening is I just show up. I show up for this podcast. I show up on Instagram. I go live and all of a sudden I just go and I just speak. Um, It's the only way I can do it. So that's what I do. Um, What else do I do? I work out. That's That's helpful. Gives you some energy. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No, that, that, what you just gave me was incredible. And it's, and it, um, you know, I, I just, I interviewed somebody else and we were talking about, uh, Mark Duplass when I interviewed mm-hmm. him, he's a, yeah. he's a writer, director, producer, yeah. actor. And that was his thing was just, you know, volume, volume and putting it out and not being so precious. Yeah. Um, and I kind of explained to him myself as a writer that it's all, you know, I think I have some talent in that area, but I've largely held myself back because of, perfectionism. And now I've, I've kind of, you know, I'm much better in that area, but still, you know, need years and miles and light years to go. Um, but that, that is really the way you just put it feels like permission to, to, to me to go like, Oh yeah. Okay. She said, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. It seems like it's going well, even for your event. I had done, 
you know, I've I've been speaking a little bit since doing this this podcast, and it's been a little bit more prepared, and that's yeah. not really what I love. No, you don't to need do. that. I'd rather yeah. just talk to people. Yeah. And so I said, what, you know, it was funny, the difference between you and this other uh, event that I did where the other one was like, you know, you have 15 minutes. It's exactly, you know, it was very specific. Oh, it's exhausting. And yours, and yours was like, you were like, yeah, just get up there and uh, just talk. You right. know, you got about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Go. And uh, which is, you know, I kind of jotted down some notes and a general gist of what I wanted to say. And it was a lot of fun because like you said, it was alive. It was yeah. alive. And, you know, I I just had Angela Duckworth on my podcast. You know who she is? I do, because uh, somebody that I had on my podcast is a big speaker and, and had told me about her. And she did, does she, is she the one that does Grit? Yeah, she, she had yeah, that yeah. really famous TED Talk that everybody talked about. And it opened up a t- People started writing books about what she talked about, in addition to her own book, obviously, on Grit. And I asked her... What do you find to be the reason people are successful? She's like, grit. I'm like, okay, I know you keep saying grit, but how do you tease that out? What does it mean? What does it look like? How are you, how do you, how can a person be good at being gritty? And she said, trial and error, like get to work and do and do and do and do and do. Gary V says the same thing. He's like, you gotta go. Like, Keep going. Do, 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 do. Then stop and then assess and then do, do, do more, more, more. Then pull back. Because what we wind up doing is we're like completely like helicopter parenting this first idea, overthinking it, so precious about it. No, I can't put out this web series yet. No, it needs two more years. No, that might not even be your good work. That might not even be your thing. It's like maybe if you would just put it out, then it would lead you to think of this next idea or maybe somebody sees it and you co-write with that person or next thing you know, in the third one, you're in the thing and now everything opens up and it's not even this web series. It's just like a man on the street thing. Whatever it's going to be, She said, we have to, I love this. She's like, instead of discovering your passion as if it's just going to like show up under a rock or better yet, people think like, I'll just sit here and wonder what it is. And it will like walk over and come jump in my lap. She said, we have to develop it. So developing means action. It means lots of action, which means having the courage to make lots of like lots and lots of things, which means mediocrity is a strength because you have to push through, like you said, volumes. And then what starts to happen is things start to crystallize. You start to find your sound. You start to figure out your zone of genius. You start to meet people and opportunities spring up from that. And so I'm very, um, I'm sort of easygoing in a sense. Like I see it all as like part of this developing. You're in the dark room. You're building that negative. You want it to come to life as opposed to like you're deciding that you know what it should be in your mind and you're going to hold on until it, this this first thing, this second thing, you're going to put all your eggs in that basket. That's so dangerous. I It cuts us off from discovering and exploring what might really be the thing. I mean, I didn't even know what podcasting was when I moved to LA and I just kept 
having that yes and. So, you know, once I started hitting my stride writing music for TV, I started to be asked to speak. I was featured in a bunch of magazines and then I was asked to speak and I started an agency and then I started teaching and then my teaching led to somebody saying, start a podcast. So then I added that. And, um, and this seems to feel like a sweet spot, but maybe something else is coming. I'm having a conversation on Thursday uh, with a pretty famous uh, TV production company who now wants to maybe make the podcast into a show, which might be horrible or it might be cool. I don't know where I'm completely, I could see it being either way. Um, I don't know where it's headed, but thank God I'm just not going to stop making things because I know none of it is like the magnum opus. And therefore I just got to keep going. Um, and it allows me the freedom and it does give me tremendous permission. It's like, nope, this won't be perfect. Just you have to push through. Um, and anyway, anything that's ever actually happened was after a lot of mediocre things first. So I'm going to stop on that like third step and go, all right, this is it. I'm going to overthink this to death. No, like, so I, I don't know what that is. I think it's people are afraid of their inadequacy. They're afraid of feeling stupid. They're afraid of not having it figured out. It takes a lot of courage to just move through and just keep putting things out, not being sure. Is it perfect? Is it great? You might be standing in front of your radiator because that's what you have in the moment. You go on your iPhone and that's your platform and you start there. If you go back and watch like Marie Forleo's first videos, she's just sitting with her feet barefoot, like on her little couch. And now she's got like millions of subscribers. Um, and of course, Julia Cameron, who was on the show, who wrote the famous book, The Artist's Way, she wrote that book for Martin Scorsese, who's her ex-husband. And she says that he made a movie that he was so embarrassed by how bad it was. He didn't want to show it to anybody. Um, and she wrote that love letter to him, which is the artist's way, so that he would just start making things and have the courage to make things. And uh, I love it. I out. did the artist's way when I was younger. Yeah. I still have it. I think I, I think I emailed or texted you after you uh, interviewed yeah, her or you put did. a comment awesome. or something. Yeah, she's she's really amazing. Um God, it's so inspiring. I mean, you you make it sound um, just so. <laughs> it 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 sounds so simple, and it really it really is. I guess uh, you know, kind of a a reverse question would be: Is there anything about what you do or where you are right now that's that is really trying for you or really annoying or you're like, God, I wish that it wasn't because I know there are tons of things that you're grateful for. Is is there anything that you you hate about what you're doing right now? And and how do you still manage to get it done? I mean, right now I feel a little bit like a fraud because I am all about I tell people, your life is a a reflection of what you think you deserve. And you can have the results that ultimately you feel you're deserving of. You can create your life. And so it's amazing, right, that all these things are going on, but I don't have balance right now. And I don't like the fact that I'm 39 and I have a headache every day. Like I want to be having a lot more quality of life. And I want to be, you know, like my husband used to say when we would go downtown and there was like birds next to a dumpster, dumpster, he'd be like, there's stupid birds. Like they can fly. They should be on the ocean. Why are they here? Um, and so the fact that I have all of this music stuff I'm still doing, 
I actually think that that keeps me in a way from really opening up what's happening with my podcast because there's not enough free space for me to have more bandwidth. And so I'm tired of talking about that. And I think it's time to let some of that go at this point um, and move over so that I can, I can breathe. um, And I can then also really dive in to where this is headed and take more speaking opportunities. And when my book comes out, I'm going to have to do a lot of press for that. And I think that just personally, um, I worked really hard to have three kids. I went through lots of fertility treatment for each one. I should be able to see them more often and I should make it up so that I'm not um, burning the candle so far at both ends. And I'm working on that. I I don't want to be telling people like, have it all. And then God forbid, you know, like I'm not feeling good physically. That's not okay. So Yeah, it's a that's a that's a topic that comes up a lot in a lot of these conversations that I have. Um, I actually had one earlier today with oh, someone well, who uh, was an, an old friend who um, is just uh, ran a TV show that he created for five seasons and was talking about in the midst of like the third season that he was just completely run down. Yeah. His body was, yep. you know, depleted and he had lost weight in a bad way, like 30 pounds. And, and I, you know, and then he kind of came out of it and learned how to shift his delegating and he, yeah, he just made exactly. a subtle shift that helped him. Um, so it's, it, it is, it is, it's that, it's that be careful what you wish for moment. But on the other hand, it's like, you don't need to, what I love about your, your approach is that you're so open. It sounds like, uh, you know, I don't know how big is the, the, the agency, the songwriting, the, the, the we have a bunch of artists that we pitch every day and there's four of us that work there. So, mm-hmm. but I could, you know, I've been talking about passing it over to them. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe yeah. I will. Yeah. I, I mean, being open and seeing where, where it comes, it seems like that's another part of what you're talking about of not being a perfectionist is, I guess, in the macro level, not being a perfectionist about what it is that you, you know, defining yourself as like, I have this agency. Maybe you did for a period of time and right. maybe you don't anymore moving forward. Who knows? I think for me, it's... um you know, if we're all really honest, um, there's, when you see people who are driven, there's something they're running from and there's something they're running to. There's both. So I'm running to wanting to help as many people as possible feel a sense of purpose. It also gives me tremendous feelings of fulfillment to do all that. So that's the positive And I really do feel that enough people have said to me in my life, Kathy, when I'm around you, I feel like I can do anything. And that makes me feel called to do it. Because I'm like, well, then I want to be in service. I want to do that for more people because they deserve to go ahead and have a beautiful life as much as they can. And if I can be at all an ounce of, you know, helping that happen, I will. But I'm also driven because I'm running from something, which is a feeling inside of me that just, there's not a tremendous amount of, um, well-being there all the time because I'm, you know, constantly still processing probably those early years of just feeling that, you know, that instability, that anxiety feeling. And so maybe part of what I did to cope is 
I learned like I'll dream and achieve things, dream and achieve things. So I just keep adding and it just never ends. Um, and it doesn't actually take that feeling away. Um, even though new great stuff has been created, which I think is why I, my self-esteem is better. And I just, I really do feel pretty good a lot, even though I feel also sad and anxious. Sometimes I have so many more you know, fantastic high moments than I do sad moments. You know, it's definitely like 80-20. Um, yeah. So that's great. But at the same time, I think I have to just look at that and say, okay, you know, when is enough enough? And can I just like work on that as opposed to thinking that by continuing to add more to my plate, it's going to somehow shrink. But right. we're all we're all struggling with that stuff. And I think yeah. part of, yeah. Go ahead. Well, no. Well, first of all, I, I appreciate your honesty about this, and it's great for people to hear that because I don't, I don't think enough people say that in interviews, really. And no, they don't. I, I often <laughs> think that with the people that I really am inspired by and that I've been around more of since starting this podcast, because it's all kind of talking to people that are for the most part, just high achievers who are really striving for something and trying to have a, an impact on the world. And I always think that, I, and, I, and, I, and I lump myself into this group as well in terms of, you know, any of the actor friends that I have. It's, mm -hmm. There's something beautiful about it, and there's also something sad about it at the same time. Yeah. There, there is a, there is a um, and I'm not sure where it comes from. I'm not sure exactly where it comes from in me, but I would I would agree there's something from childhood of like not, you know, feeling alone or feeling um, separate or like you got to prove something or you, you, yeah. you're dreaming of being somewhere else other than where you are. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what strives you. And I think that, that, I mean, that's what, what drives you and that's all, what has moved the world in, in a lot of ways, but it's also, yeah, there's a, there's like, there's a sadness because there is like some kind of emptiness that's being run from. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah. and it's a dual edged sword, you know, and I don't know that everybody has it equally. I don't think they do. I think, no. you know, yeah. um, like I look at people sometimes who like, they make $45,000 a year and they're really happy, like working in a library. Like I know someone like this and I'm like, God, you won. Look at you. You're done. You're happy. You're there. Like, that's amazing. Like you are doing it. And but I wonder if you could, I don't know that you could, there's something in your DNA, your makeup. I can't. Yeah. I have a need to affect people and, I live for those moments of other people being around me and feeling like they, something just clicked. They got it. They see Did themselves. They can do this. They're going to, I think I just, I, I feel the weight of some of the pain that maybe I was so exposed to. And now I'm like on a mission to help alleviate that. I, I don't think that people watch Netflix just because the shows are so good. I think people are numbing themselves out. And so I want people to get busy making the things that they were born to make. You know, if you're feeling called to write music or sit at a potter's wheel or make t-shirts, God, like you should. And I think that because everyone is searching for purpose, there are so many easy ways to, um, 
to just find more real happiness. And it's not going to come from your TV screen and it's not going to come from buying those new shoes. It's going to come from you just doing something. I think that we all ultimately want to feel like we are in service to somebody else. And I think that that's easy to do when you start making the things you like making, whether it's just making space for people or you're teaching your yoga class or you're making a cookie because you love making cookies and you love the face on somebody when you hand them a good cookie and they take a bite and you feel like you nurtured them. And I think we all need that. We need that feeling of contributing. And everyone I interview, um, they go back to that. They talk about how, you know, there's been studies done and that's the thing that everybody is really, truly hoping to figure out who, who am I? What do I do? And who do I do it for? We all need to feel a sense of purpose. And so I get that. And I think because I get that, it's a double-edged sword. I, uh, it is my purpose to help other people find theirs. So that's like a, an un, you know, it's an unending, unending thing that the work yeah. is never done. Um, and at the same time, I, I feel like it's so within reach. Um, and so I do feel a sense of that purpose and I want to help other people have that feeling to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do, that's what you're doing. I mean, I think that's, that's I think that's why you're on fire right now is, yeah. is because that's, that's happening. Whatever combination of the way you are, are doing it or the way you speak, something is is hitting something is hitting with a, with a ton of people. And, and so you are doing that. And then, you know, as you're talking and I'm thinking about your life and your career and and the kids and everything, it's kind of like a, a pendulum that swings back and forth. And right now that pendulum is in the, the workspace for you largely, but it'll swing back. And it's great that you're aware of it, that you're going, okay, this is really, this is cool, but I'm, I'm missing out on family space a little bit more than I want to be right now. So you're mindful of it and the pendulum's going to swing back in yeah. that direction, you yeah. know, and maybe you have to consciously nudge it, but that's, I think that's kind of what, what we're all doing is, is we're, you know, toggling the line between all of these different parts of ourselves and, yep. and, and trying to figure out what's right for us at, at a particular moment. And at some point, you know, when, when your family's going to really need you there and the work is going to have to take a back seat and, yeah. and vice versa. You and know? I think for people like us that are, you know, we're really high achievers. Uh, everything can sometimes feel so intense. And my life, the way I look at my life when I wake up in the morning, it's very existential. I'm like, I want to change the world today. Like it's so big. And I remember quite often throughout the day that it's actually the small moments and it's simple. It's like, the other day, it was pouring rain in LA. I'm sure you heard it. It was so loud and it was amazing. And we, you know, we stopped, my kids and I, and we, um, we, we got quiet and we listened to the rain and it was just so awesome. And then um, uh, the next day, the sun was out and I was walking and I just stopped and like felt the sun on my face. And I, I, as it was happening, I was aware of how happy I felt in that moment, just feeling the sun on my face. And yeah. once in a while, I'll be talking to somebody at a bookstore or in line at Starbucks and I just have a nice interaction and I realize it can be right here in these simple moments. And when Martha Beck was on the podcast, she talked about her book called, you know, The Joy Diet. And like she said, 
if every day you can go to sleep and look back and think of two things you did that really brought you joy, that's a really productive day because cultivating just those moments of joy, I feel like people, again, like we talked about before, you know, and you said, God, I guess it's, there's a simplicity to just making lots of things. And I think it's the same thing with, we're, we're all striving, people are buying all these books, you know, how do I find happiness? How do I find happiness? Well, there's a lot of easy ways, even when it, as it relates to what I talk about, which is your career, there's such simple ways for you to do something this week, which can blow your mind and the minds of people around you. Like, let's say you love, um, you're, you're an expert or you're not an expert. Forget that. Let's say you're somebody who you want to teach people about mindfulness or parenting, or you just love cooking and you or you love making vegan things. Invite four people over and share with them some tips on mindfulness. Do an exercise. Make space for people just to talk for a minute. Uh, you know, share with them some of the vegan desserts you're making. You'd be amazed at how taking a little step like that can be so fun, so rewarding, and then can lead to tons of momentum. You get a little confidence. Somebody asks you something as a follow-up. You plan another event. You have a, a question about, oh, could you do this over at this school or at this meetup or everyone? You would just not believe it. Like, I think sometimes we overthink it. It's like we see it in the big picture. You know, I'm, you know, uh, my name is Matt Del Negro and I, I got to win an Oscar and I'm going to, and, and you probably will because you're such a genuine person. But like, you did that indie film and you talked about that on my podcast. Like, thank God you did that. That that movie was not only a creatively fulfilling experience, but it led you to ultimately the next big win that you had. And I feel like there's been so many people in my life who they started an evening for people to get up and just share their story. And they now are making like $5,000 a week just creating a space for people to get up and tell a, a true story about their life. They rent a theater for 200 bucks in Santa Monica and they make like 2,500 bucks. They do it twice a week. They're making like 20 grand a month just because they decided to start an evening in their home one night where people would drink wine and tell a story from their life. Hmm. I, I just think we, we put the focus on like it's Beyonce or it's nothing. You know, <laughs> I'm either Martha Stewart or forget it. What about the small little moments and the impact that you can have if you just take what you're creating and think about what's the very next step you could do with it? What's the next thing you could do? Could you have a reading at your house with, the, with a few pages of a play that you wrote? If you just wrote one page, could you invite other people to share something they're creating? What's the very next thing you can do with the, you know, the fact that you love floral design, can you offer to bring it to someone? Can you think of three people just out of the blue and just drop it off at their house just to be sweet with a little note? Maybe that leads to you doing it for a party they're having. Like, I yeah. think I realized with the podcast, I realized with my music business, you can make a huge impact and make plenty of money and no one knows you. Like, I, I can't believe it. Like I bought this house. I pay this mortgage, which I've been telling my husband, like, this is insane. I do a podcast. We should move like to Atlanta and buy a house. That's a fraction of the cost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was able to buy a house that's millions of dollars. It's stupid. It's just welcome to LA. You know, it's so stupid. And most people don't know who the heck I am. And that was my big aha moment with the music business is, oh my God, I could make a really decent living just from doing eight ads a year. 
And then that turned into, well, I guess then I could create a small audience in podcasting and it could be pretty meaningful. So we have all the tools we need. We have a phone, we have a laptop, we have Wi-Fi. You can type things, you can create art, you can paint things, you can reach out to humans and make space for them in your living room and have conversations and meetups. I mean, there's so much we can do in our own tiny footprint and we can blow our minds. I talk to people all the time who are making seven figures. You've never heard of them. And they have a community of souls in this world who loves what they're doing and that's it. And they're really happy. And some people are making half a million and they are very happy. So I just think there's a lot of things that weren't modeled for us. But for someone like you, you did that. You know, here you are acting, you're getting more and more work. You're successful. People recognize you like you're successful. And you said, what if I also started a podcast? I mean, Who knows where this could grow for you? And what's fascinating is that as I kept thinking I was veering from my music, I then thought, oh, I'll put my songs at the end of my episodes. Which I love that you do that. So I have heard, I do love that song. (laughs) I had heard it a bunch before the other night. Yeah. And then now it comes full circle, like two years in and I hadn't made a record. I hadn't gone in the studio in a long time to write music. Someone just said to me, um, why don't you start doing live tapings of the podcast and play your songs every time? And then I had this meeting with this TV company and they were like, yeah, why don't we bring your music back? And it's like, wow, well, I did just create now finally like an audience who I could now give my music to. And I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. But for you, I mean, you might realize, God, there's something that happens when I'm doing this podcast. I love it so much. You know, maybe there's like, this next thing that's going to start coming together in your viewfinder of like Matt, you know, who's speaking and Matt, who's holding seminars and workshops. And maybe it's, it's just, you just don't know where it's going to lead to, but there's so much for us to remember that's doable. And it doesn't have to be so like, it's all this or it's nothing. And the only way I can make it is if I'm, you know, on the marquee, you know, and like, and I'm I'm that that go to person in whatever field. That's that's just not the well, way that, it has yeah, to be. That's what I mean. I want to wind this down because I know you are on the go and you got to get your kids. I, I just but that's that's actually what led to this podcast in a way for me was, you know, I was working on Scandal and was kind of told it was going to be one thing for this one of the seasons, and mm-hmm. then the election went in a way that was not expected. I think it affected the storylines. And all of a sudden oh. I was like, I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs, not you know, out of work. Oh, God. And, I, and I thought, and I thought like, I can't, I can't remain idle and, anymore. I can't do this. I have too much I want to say. I have too much I want to offer. And then that's what led, that kind of was the space that led to me saying, you know, what about a podcast? And then kind of like, noodling on that for a while and then like slowly but surely, you know, consulting with people through the voiceover world that I knew from doing voiceovers and then eventually launching it. And it's been, you know, and then like coming across you and meeting you and all the people you've now, it really has been an incredible, incredible ride. It's not you know, 10,000 no's is not on, on the, uh, the level of the the charts that yours is, but, but just for me personally, I, 
Absolutely love it. I mean, I'm, I'm having this conversation with you. You know, you said before, one of the people you spoke to said, if you have two things that inspire you in a day, I'm thinking this conversation, uh-huh. and I had one with, I told you, my friend Steve Kane, who will be a future episode, and both of them, I'm like giddy by the end of it. And so I'm like- I feel the same way. Yeah. It, it, you know, that. so it, it's really, it is a beautiful thing. I'm going to let you go, but I want to give you this little- pop quiz that I've done for the, my awesome. last few guests. We're good, that is yeah. a, new, a new thing, a new thing. Okay, so complete this sentence. The word no actually means what? Wow. Okay, so when you said it, the word no actually means, and I thought, yes. <laughs> um, oh, good. That's but, your answer. Uh, yeah, that that's, answer. I guess that's my answer. Um, because I think every no is just information, and it's a blessing because it's leading you to like, oh, yeah, just not that door. Go to this door or not yet or do it differently. So I just see it all part of the yes. It's just like a not yet. So it's helpful, that, actually. That's awesome. Uh, OK, uh, first book, film, song title, lyric or quote that comes to mind right now and why? No, when you said first book, I was like, the first real book I read was To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm like, that's not what you're asking me for. Um, no, that, that first... just came to your mind. Boom. It did. Well, because you said the first book. And Why I was like, do you I think, think that came? To Kill a Mockingbird. Because that's the first book I read, like in oh, ninth the first grade. book you ever read. That's what read. I'm saying. Oh. So, oh, so gotcha. that's not the question. The first book or quote or song lyric. I love this book. It just came to my mind. Um, you Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And, ah. uh, She's I just a, listened to it. Yeah, she's amazing. I just listened to it. I, had I, I listened on, to it. Yeah, on, on my phone. I listen. Yeah, she was amazing, and I felt like she, you know, she was forty years old, eating uh, tuna fish in, out of a can, living in a garage. She had this story in her mind that artists starve, and she woke up one day and said, "I can't do this. I, I don't want to do this." And um, she took some responsibility for maybe the things that she thinks create her reality, and. I'm such a fan of really looking at those beliefs that we hold on to because those beliefs create our actions and that creates our world. So I think it's important to look at that stuff. And so many of us, we just allow our thoughts to take us hostage. And I've done so much work in the mindfulness world and I've spent years with that. And so it's important to be aware of the things that really, they're old, they're not even true and they can ruin a whole day and they yeah. can ruin they can ruin years. So- that came to yeah, my mind. she had me so fired up after listening to it. I went and did like an Instagram live of like telling her I want her on this show yeah, and, and doing all this stuff. No, nothing, nothing. Oh, well, no I'll no try response. To you I'll guys. have to. Okay. I'll have to knock on that door again. Okay. I loved her. Um, and the and the last thing is, if you could go give your younger self advice, one, at what age would you choose to intervene, and two, what would the advice be? I mean, the first thing is just so simple, you know like going back to myself uh, sort of in the throes of the darkest time. I was super anxious. You know, my parents were split up. My mom was really not okay. And I was kind of on my own in the world. And I would definitely, yeah, I was like 15. I would probably go back and just say, you know, it is all going to work out so well. And uh, everything that you're going through now is it's feeding you in the ways that you're going to be able to then turn around and use all of this as fuel to, to help the world. So this is a blessing. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> uh, so Kathy, sweet. Kathy Heller. <laughs> uh, thank you. 
so, so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I, I love having you on. You've been really kind to me since we've met. And um, I'm going to put links to all of Kathy's, to her podcast and to other things that were talked about in the show. So everybody will get more of Kathy Heller, if you so wish. I can't imagine how you don't want that. And <laughs> so really, really, really appreciate it. You are the sweetest. Thank you for being you. You're so kind and so curious about other people and and generous. And uh, not many people are, are that that way. You... um. I think that that's, I told you this when I met you the first time and I was like, I think part of your success is that people really like being around you. They legitimately like you. And um, to be that kind of human being, that's a huge legacy you're leaving in the world. So don't leave, be here for another hundred years, but that's, it's beautiful, (laughs) the, the, the trail you're blazing with that. Oh, thank you. I feel the same way about you. Thank you. It's true. Very much. I don't know about you guys, but she just fires me up about the possibilities that are out there for us. I mean, it's it's just very apparent that she's in a moment of being jettisoned into the stratosphere, which is why I appreciate her honesty about where she is in her journey right now so much. Uh, okay, top three takeaways. One, even if you had a dark childhood or were a terrible student, an outsider, whatever, you are not destined to stay in that darkness. Kathy said she recognized that her mother's depression was the result of not having a purpose. And so her purpose became her beacon. I find it ironic that now her purpose is really to help others find their purpose. It's never too late. Number two, that sometimes the doors we think we were supposed to go through are shut for us. When Kathy talked about being devastated by being dropped by a second record label in a row after working so hard to get there, I was surprised to hear her say she had no backup plan because in a way, this whole trajectory that she's on now is her backup plan. But what she shows is that it's not necessarily the way she dreamt it. I mean, she literally watched Lady Gaga take her dream, but it's it's still amazing what she's doing and she's still writing music. So really... What felt like a loss was a win. A closed door is not the end of the world. And three, this might be the most important one. Do not be a perfectionist. I love that she thought of that as her superpower because so many people, myself included, have been locked inside themselves out of fear of not getting it right. So I love her take on this. It gives us all the permission to just let it rip and then worry about making it better as you go. Seems to be working for Kathy. Okay. Once again, thank you for joining us. I'd love it if you leave an iTunes review or tell your friends or post about 10,000 no's on social media if you like what you hear. Uh, If you were into Kathy, I have a feeling you may like the following interviews. Amy Budden, How to Train Your Brain, that was from a while ago. Uh, Clutter Healings, Lily Pettit, or Results Coach, Heather Hayes. They're all along similar lines. That's it for now. A reminder that we are now releasing bite-sized episodes only a few minutes long on Mondays where I riff on topics that are associated with the show. They're called Monday Morsels, and the general idea is to give you some food for thought to chew on as you begin your week. Right now, have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. As always, thanks for being here.